At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Timmy Abbefe on VSEN, the sports betting network. It is our number two of the Lombardi line here on the DraftKings Network. Femi Abebefe here at the Circle Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. Michael Lombardi out in the great state of New Jersey. Fun first hour. Thank you to our buddy Will Hill who joined us in the last segment there. Host of the Should Have Bet More podcast there. Also a VEASAN contributor. If you missed it, make sure you check it out in podcast form. All you got to do is search Lombardi line wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, in 30 minutes from now. VEASAN senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel will join us as we get the uh, final third look at the NBA season. JVT was a big part of our VEASAN at the break timer here for the NBA. For those of you who've been waist deep in the football, you haven't been catching up on what's been going on in the NBA, JVT, Zach Cohen, Kelly Bidlin, those guys went ahead and outlined what you should be looking at for the final third of the NBA regular season. We'll break that down in about 30 minutes with our buddy Jonathan Von Tobel here. But Michael, let's begin hour number two with some quick mm. hitters with the new NFL head coaching hires. We had eight vacancies. All of them have been filled and we will start in my old neck of the woods, the Pacific Northwest with the Seattle Seahawks and head coach Mike McDonald. How do you think McDonald will kind of follow in Pete Carroll's footsteps and build up a con like this Seattle culture that Carroll has built ever since he showed up in 2010? Well, you know, I, I think what they have to do is kind of get home field back in their advantage, right? I mean, when Pittsburgh goes in there late in the year when you need a win and runs for 175 yards, you know, and, and you've got to stop the run and force Mason Rudolph to beat you, you've, you've got an issue. And mm-hmm. so I think that's Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald will expand the defensive playbook to a level that I think they're going to need to have. They won't be a cover three team. Pete started when Pete went up there, he took his defensive principles and he set the world on fire up there. And he got a lot of guys had coaching jobs from Sala to, you know, to uh, Quinn, D'Amico Ryan's yeah. that, that, you know, all the Dan Quinn, those guys, you know, came from that Gus Bradley was mm-hmm. a head coach too. So they all kind of fed off of that system. But what we see typically in the NFL is systems run their course, right? And you can't dominate that in that system if your front doesn't dominate. And let's be clear, if you can't rush the passer in the fourth quarter, as we learned in the Super Bowl, whether you run that system or not, it's the team's going to move the football on you. So he's going to give them some diversity defensively, which they need. And I think they're going to they're going to utilize. I think you're going to see more. There's some talent on that defense that just hasn't been there. I think you're going to see that come out. And then offensively, you know, I think to me, with the change of how they're going to approach it, I think this will be a positive. I really do. I think McDonald's going to learn on the job. He's a young coach. He's curious. I've never met him, but I've heard nothing but positive things about him. And I think he'll hold people accountable, which is important. It's the number one requirement for any head coach. So I think Seattle's going to turn the corner. That's why when we talked about San Francisco over 11 and a half wins in the last hour, I think the competition in the West is going to be greater because the Rams will improve and so will Seattle. 
Yeah, and, and the Cardinals almost have to improve after what happened a year ago that they're sitting at 80 <laughs> exactly. to 1 as a long shot. You know, it's like it can't, it can't be much worse than what it was a season ago. And they ended the year on a pretty good note. They're beating the Philadelphia Eagles in the second to last week of the regular season. Uh, Carolina Panthers head coach Dave Canales, his expectations heading into this year, they're obviously tied to Bryce Young. Do you think that Bryce Young can sort of reach the expectations of number one overall pick and Canales ultimately is his job sort of tied to the development of Bryce Young? Well, I think he's going to have to get Bryce Young to play better, obviously, and I don't think that should be too hard of a challenge because he didn't play well at all. But I think Canales' real challenge is to get the Carolina Panthers to play better, to play complementary football, to get everybody on the same page, to stop the civil war that was going on in the building last year, to stop everybody calling the owner trying to gain power. Dan Morgan won that battle. You know, he was the survivor of all this. He was able to go through it. And even though he was involved in every decision, he came out on top as the president of the Carolina Panthers. There'll be a book on that. Some people will believe it as a novel. But anyway, there'll be a book on that, on how you do that. And I admire Dan for being able to achieve that. That's tremendous. But this is going to have to be Canales' challenge is to make everybody better. It's just not Bryce. I think what we saw last year is Bryce did some good things. Just the team around him was horrible. The offensive line. It was ill-prepared. I went on Carolina radio last summer, and I was ripping them. And the host on the, on the show said, boy, you must have a vendetta against Frank Wright. And I said, no, I just watched the tape. And then he brought me back on Super Bowl week, and he, like, apologized and said, you called it. Well, it's not that hard to call when you know, what you're t- when you know football. Like, they were poorly prepared. They were poorly constructed. There was nothing good that was coming out of the Frank Wright administration. And it was pretty clear to see it early on. So when you start with a bar so low, there's nothing but upward for Canal. Yeah, I mean, we, we were pressing the panic button on that in August in the preseason when we were doing the show. Like, I, I think we both sort of liked the idea of Carolina in about like May, June. And then all of a sudden we saw the preseason and what was going on. And it's like, oh, we, we might need to pull the ripcord on this thing. And then ultimately they uh, had the worst record in the NFL. The Chargers, they hired Jim Harbaugh. How can they reach their full potential with the uh, elite quarterback that they have in Justin Herbert? Well, they got to stop thinking he's going to win every game for them, right? And so they're going to have to have balance. They're going to have to have toughness, mental and physical toughness, which Jim will give them. And then they got to, you know, they're not going to beat themselves. Jim is not going to go for it. I'm just going to alert all Charger fans here. He's not going to go for it at his own 20 in the first quarter on fourth and, and an inch. Like he's not going to do something as stupid as that, right? And so he's also not going to do it when the game's on the line. So you're going to get you're going to get a coach who sees the game, understands the game. I'm not saying he's not going to go for it on fourth down, but he's going to have the understanding of what the probability is and what's the second order thinking. What's the result if I do this? So. Um, they're going to improve in that area. they got a legitimate head coach now, a guy who can build three dimensions, who can take the team and build it, and they're going to be tough. And all those close games that they lost, I think you're going to find them being able to win some of those games. It's going to be a gradual process. Remember, they're $50 million over the cap. So this isn't a roster that has been underpaid. This is a roster, you know, the Spanos family gets criticized quite a bit for, oh, they don't spend any money, they, don't, mm-hmm. you know, they won't spend any money, yada, yada, yada. But they do. They're over the cap. They have spent some money. And I think when you look at them, I mean, last year they were probably ranked in the middle of the pack in terms of spending. But that cap numbers are fairly significant. I think they're going to improve in all those areas. Yeah, no, it's going to be a more conventional team. It's going to be a tougher team, I think, is the biggest thing with the Chargers is what we'll find out in 2024. The New England Patriots, they hired Gerard Mayo. And I kind of want to remix this question here that we have in the rundown. Will Gerard Mayo be allowed to establish the Mayo way or is he going to have to establish the Kraft way? 
Well, I, I think he got the job because it is the craft way. I mean, they, you know, and, and every owner has a right to take over his team, right? I mean, you know, I think we saw what we learned about Mike Vrabel at Tennessee was that the owner thought it was Tennessee was associated with Vrabel as opposed to her team. And so I think you see that. And so now without Belichick there, the, the Kraft family has always claimed the Patriot way. They registered it, mm-hmm. which is their right because it's their team. But I do think you're going to see more of an influx of of a collaborative effort, starting with Jonathan, who's been the president or vice president of the team, and Robin, uh, uh, I forget Robin's last name, but she's going to run the team as well, the executive vice president. They've been involved in all the interviews. So this is going to be a collaboration that starts from everybody within their front office. And so Mayo's going to be uh, helped along the way, because let's be clear here. I mean, Mayo doesn't have a lot of experience being a coach. You know, I, you know, I'm sure he can say all the right things and he's got all the right verbiage, but he had, doesn't have very much experience. I mean, he's only he played and then he coached for four years, so he's not. I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying he's Jeff Saturday just coming in from the broadcast booth, but there isn't a whole lot of experience, and they're going to want to disassociate themselves from the old way. They've removed all the all the stuff from the past within the building. They've changed the building around, so they're on a new pl- they're on a new formula to win, which is what they have to do uh, if they want to be successful in this regime. Will it work? We'll see. Well, they removed all the stuff, but I'm sure they kept those shiny Super Bowl Lombardi trophies, though. I'm sure, I'm sure those are. No, I think they're up on. Probably. I think they're up on the cra- and the cra- I, They've never were on the first floor, but they, you know, look, they, you know, you, when you've had somebody in your building running your building for 24 years, you're going to change a little bit. We'll see mm-hmm. how the players adapt to the change. It'll be the big thing uh, out here in Las Vegas. It'll be the Antonio Pierce era here for the Las Vegas Raiders. Only two seasons coaching at the NFL level. How can Pierce make up for his lack of experience? Well, I think what he's done is a smart thing. He's hired Tom Coughlin as a high pay consultant. He's got Marvin Lewis on his staff. So he's got two guys who have been head coaches for a long time in the NFL in his ear. And he listens to him, which is going to be critical for Pierce. You know, now game day, that's going to be a different story because we've seen Pierce on game day, you know, not make very good decisions. The Minnesota game, watching that game, not a substitute in quarterbacks. If he wins that game, it could have been different. There have been a lot of times. So we'll go back to the Colt game where he had opportunities on fourth down, said he was going to be a aggressive and then he punted so I think the game day is going to be the real issue you know and look here's what I do know you know when you are a player friendly coach at some point somebody's got to hold the players accountable you know now that he's no longer the interim is he going to change and if the players sense that it becomes an issue and so this is going to be a really interesting situation in, at the Raider land because they keep talking about the Raider way and everything that I see has nothing to do with the Raider way Right. Everything that I see that I grew up in the Raiders, that has nothing to do with the Raider way. So it's going to be fascinating. I think the thing to watch in, in Las Vegas is, does Telesco trade Devontae Adams to the Jets? Ooh. You think that's still a possibility? Because a lot of it sounded like Devontae Adams was pounding the table for Antonio Pierce. They got Antonio Pierce. I thought that, hey, maybe he's fine being there in Las Vegas. But you think that maybe the reunion with Rodgers and Adams could be happening in the Jets? Well, I think if you look at their team and you say, how do I rebuild this team? What do I do to repair it? How do I how do I fix it? You know, who has value? What can I get back for it? I think it's something to consider. You're nowhere. I mean, Devontae's, you know, Aiden O'Connell didn't throw the ball to him, right? He was complaining all along. So like, who's throwing the ball to him? Who's getting the ball to him? 
I think that's a fair question to ask. And he has value in the marketplace, no more value than what he has at the Jets. So it's a huge cap number to look at. I think it's worth monitoring. I really do. You know, I think they're going to listen. I think no matter what comes out of that building in Henderson, I think they're going to listen. All right. Well, the Jets are around 25 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Maybe they can add another no, wide receiver. That, I don't know why. They should be 2 to 1. They have they have everything going for them. They're the greatest coach of all time. Why would they not be 2 to 1, Femi? <laughs> we'll continue asking these questions next. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abebefe, on VSEN, the sports betting network. If you haven't already, make sure you check out our NBA at the break articles on the new vcin.com. Kelly Bidlin, he wrote an NBA MVP article. And then our buddy Zach Cohen wrote an article about the futures odds at the all-star break so make sure you check those out check out vcin.com today it's all up on our revamped website which they did a terrific job on all that stuff so make sure you go to vcin.com this is the lombardi line here on the DraftKings network femi Bebfe alongside michael lombardi our buddy jonathan von tobel senior nba analyst will join us in 15 minutes as we'll break down some of his at the break betting thoughts here as we have the all-star game coming up later on tonight in the nba who, then the final third who do you root for in the nba femi i, I mean i know i'm a i'm a 76 who do you root for I just root for the players. I, don't, I mean, I'm a Seattle guy. I don't have a team. Uh, I, I root against Oklahoma City. I can tell you that right now. But I just root for my best. Well, it's not their fault. It's not those players' fault they moved the team there. No, I mean, it's not, no, it's you not can't the players. Well, well, I mean, the owners are there, which that's who, that's who I root against there. The, the, he who shall not be named, a.k.a. Clay Bennett. Uh, we, we root against him and, and his team. And unfortunately, yeah, I do Got like it. some of the I, I do like some of the players on the like Shea Gilgis Alexander. He's a fun player to watch. Chet Holmgren, our guy, he's been really good for them. Um, I root for some of their players, but it's just it's hard to kind of root for the team knowing that I just wish it was in Seattle, but maybe yeah, down I the line Seattle. That. Yeah. I mean, I get that. I get that. But I thought you would have transitioned to another team to, to over that, you know, no, the I Supersonics. Just, I, I mean, that, that was that arena was fun. I can remember awesome. seeing games up there. It was it was awesome. Yeah. And like that was that was like my childhood, like around that that mid 90s era. And like they were humming with Peyton and Kemp and then Vin Baker after they traded Kemp to the Cavaliers. And they were a great team. They ran into the Chicago Bulls in 95, 96. Of course, the 72 win Bulls who didn't? didn't win the title. Yeah. Who didn't run into them? There's <laughs> a litany of yeah, 90s all stars who have no rings because of because of Michael Jordan. But um, it was a fun time up there. And, and Seattle's a basketball town, too, which is the unfortunate part. But I'm, I'm guessing that when Vegas gets a team, I think Seattle will get one as well. The NBA wants to expand, yeah. so uh, hopefully that's in the near future for the Seattle, because it's, like I said, a fantastic basketball town, because in the winter months, it's always raining, so might as well go inside and watch some hoops, and that's what we do out there at the Pacific Northwest. Uh, but let's continue, though, Michael, with our NFL head coach hires, our rapid-fire questions, and Titans head coach Brian Callahan used to be the OC in Cincinnati, now is a first-year head coach, a young guy. Will Levis is uh, feels like the top of the list here for the Tennessee Titans. They love him quite a bit there. We've heard what the owner, Amy Adams-Strunk, said. Rand Carthon, the general manager. Do you think that Will Levis is the future face of the franchise, or is he just a guy? Well, I, I think they, they believe he is, and that's really all that matters. I mean, the reason that... He, that Brian got the job, Callahan got the job, is because they want somebody to prove them right on Will Levis. They feel like they struck gold at the top of the second round. 
And I'm not sure they did, because when you watch the games and there's moments where you think, okay, this is really good. And then there's moments where you think, oh, my God, this is really bad, you know. And so in fairness to Levis, the offensive line was so bad. It was so bad. It was hard to really judge him at times when you're watching him play. But that's why he got the job. And they they have a lot of improvement that needs to take place in Tennessee, starting with the offensive line, where I think Brian did a great job of being able to get his dad to come with him, right? Not only does he get a veteran offensive line coach, which is critical to success in the NFL, he got a guy who's been a former head coach, whether it's at the Raiders or at Nebraska. So he says somebody that – he trusts intimately that has his best interests at heart to tell him what he needs to hear on certain things. So, you know, I like that part. I think Rand Carthon's got the tough job in terms of improving this talent base because I think what they're going to find out is Vrabel covered a lot of holes with his ability to coach a team. Yeah, well, they're pushing all the chips into the middle of the table, going with the Rand Carthon. He is uh, the Pied Piper out there in Nashville. We'll see if they can go ahead and get it done there for the Tennessee Titans. In Atlanta, Raheem Morris, now the new head coach. What's the answer for them at quarterback? And they can they finally get all these skill position guys that they drafted in the top 10 to make it work and have an explosive offense? Well, three years in a row they've done it, and they, they're 24th in the league offensively last year, and they have no explosive plays. I mean, when you watch them on tape, they don't have an identity on offense, and they don't have enough team speed on offense. Mac Hollins was their outside vertical receiver. See, this is where we get into a little bit of a conversation about what is a number one receiver. You can draft Drake London in the first round, but he's not a number one receiver. Doesn't separate enough. Doesn't have the you know doesn't require double teams. Does it mean he's a bad player? No, not at all. He's a really he's a good player. Not a number one receiver though. See, this that's a category that's a little bit reserved for very few people, although everybody, mm-hmm. everybody has that in there. So they, they've got to improve in a lot of areas offensively, and they've devoted so much time to it. I mean, look, Robinson's a really good running back. There's no question about that. Algier was a good back as well, right? And mm-hmm. so what, what people don't realize is Algier last year averaged 5-1 a carry. Robinson this year averaged 4-9. I mean, Algier had over 1,000 yards, and they drafted a running back. Think about that. Think about that for a second. You're Terry Fontenot. You're the general manager of the Atlanta Falcons. You had a back. I mean, Arthur Smith comes to you and says, we need to draft Bijan Robinson. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Let me get this straight. We had a back who we picked in the fifth round who averages 5-1 a carry. Why would we need a running back? Why would we need so- – well, he's a different – he's a playmaker. I get that, but do we have to pay a first round? We don't have a three technique. We don't have anybody who can rush the passer inside. We're signing Calais Campbell. We're signing guys that are out there being cut. You know, we need somebody to go in there and dominate the front. He's right down the road. It's called Georgia, Jalen Carter. We don't pick him. So I, I think to me, Raheem's got his work cut out for him. But what I like about Raheem is Raheem did a great job of developing young players in our in, in Los Angeles. He played the young guys. He didn't have a, he had no choice but to play the young guys because they had so many cap issues. And I think he'll do the same thing in Atlanta. Can he fix the offense? I think that remains to be seen. That's where I think you got Zach Robinson's got to come in there and try to do it. Look, you can say whatever you want about Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith's a good offensive coach. He's a very good offensive coach. He may not be a head coach, but he's a good offensive coach. We have a hard time in the media of trying to, of separating. You know, Spagnola's getting love for being a great defensive coordinator, which he deserves. Mm-hmm. He was a 21% winning percentage head coach. You know? Yeah. Well, so maybe not all his fault, right? I know the people at the Rams are promoting that he should get another chance. And maybe he should. Maybe he should. But to me, that you have to dis- have two separate issues here. Not Maybe not a good head coach, but you're a really good coordinator. Yeah. I mean, how about my guy, Dennis Allen? Like, fantastic defensive coordinator. Head coach? Yeah, not so much. It's, it's it, We do have a difficult time kind of 
differentiating between the two jobs because they're two very different jobs. Final head coaching. Well, it takes film. time when yeah. we separate when we separate it away. Then all of a sudden now Spagnola's and everybody loves them now. Right. Yeah. But everybody. It's been so long ago. They was the head coach of the Rams. We forgot. Yeah, there's a reason why he only got one opportunity. People did not like him <laughs> at all when he was the head coach of the St. Louis, the then St. Louis Rams. Uh, the commanders hired Dan Quinn as their head coach. What do you think Quinn can do to make the most of this second opportunity? Well, I think what Quinn's going to do is be a, a really good company guy. He's going to send positive energy through a building that has been in really in flux with negativity based on their former owner, Dan Snyder. Uh, Dan Quinn's going to wake up every day happy. He's going to try to motivate people. He's very, he's a positive force within that building, and he understands his role. Look, he is going to allow Adam Peters and the front office to do what they need to do to build players, and then they're going to bring players in, and he's going to coach them. And he's going to let Kyle uh, Cliff Kingsbury run the offense. He's going to run the defense. And I think he's going to try to see if he can create that positivity within the building. Will it work? I think there'll be some times. Look, the reason the enemy never became the head coach of the Washington Commanders was because of the negativity that the players felt towards him. Right. There's a there was a lot of negativity about he was too hard on the players. Players are still talking about it today, you know, and so that's why he wasn't promoted, because it wasn't because they just revered Ron Rivera and they didn't want to fire this incredible head coach during the season. No, no, they, they didn't. They had no choice because they knew the players would have been really upset about it. And so. And that doesn't make the enemy wrong. That just makes this is the wall. I'm, I'm bringing this up because this is the, this is what Quinn's walking into. Right. Yeah. He's walking into an organization that doesn't want to get coached hard, that doesn't want accountability. They haven't had it for so long. So he's going to have to adjust how he does things. And that's and he's got the mindset to do it because he's very, very likable. And he's going to try to push the players in an, in an easier way. Will it work? I don't know. You know, I don't know, but this is a, he's taken over a culture that has been toxic for so long and they've kept people that have been in that culture. And I think it's going to be a real challenge. So what you're saying is that we should be buying stock in the Dairy Queens in the D.C. area. Is that what we're saying here? We're, we're going out. Oh, for there's it. no question. They're all going to go to. Dairy. I mean, but that's but look, Josh Harris has that at Philadelphia. I thought Pat Beverly's commentary summed it up perfectly. Right. Pat Beverly said, look, in Philly, they're more interested in stats than they are in winning. You know, and that's been Philly for for the under his administration. I mean, he's about the numbers, make the players happy, all that, which is great. You have to. But who's going to drive them? Who's going to be the force behind them? Who's going to make them better? You know, who's going to be the bad guy? Somebody has to be a bad guy. You know, you can't sell a screenplay without a villain in the movie, right? There's got to be a villain somewhere, right? You know, Batman came down the pole every time on Tuesday nights, and he was looking for a villain. He had one, whether it was the Penguin, the Joker, you know, Catwoman. There's a villain. you got to have one. Yep. And and we're in an era of pro football where we don't want villains. We Everybody wants to be nice. We're going to go to Dairy Queen. We're going to have custard. Nobody gets sprinkles on it. Everybody just gets vanilla and chocolate. <laughs> Every every. Are you a movie. sprinkles guy, Femi? Not a. I think sprinkles are, you are a overrated. Sprinkles guy? I think they're overrated. They, they don't really taste like it's just it's just sugar. Rainbow sprinkles or chocolate sprinkles? You would eliminate both of them from a category? If I had to ch- if I had to pick, I'd go with the rainbow ones. But because the chocolate, that's just yeah. redundant at that point. You know, it's just you're a chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, is it not? <laughs> Jonathan Von Tobel, VCC. You can never have enough chocolate. joins us next. <laughs> This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abebefe, on VSEN, the sports betting network. 
you're looking for a betting edge on college basketball the VEASAN experts have you covered become a VEASAN pro subscriber today and get our daily best bets emails 24-7 video access the upcoming college hoops betting guide bracket breakdowns plus full access to VEASAN.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game visit VEASAN.com slash pro to subscribe today that's VSIN.com slash pro Welcome back. This is the Lombardi Line presented by DraftKings on the DraftKings Network. Michael Lombardi out in New Jersey. Femi Bebefe here in downtown Las Vegas. And joining us now is our VEASAN senior NBA analyst, host of the Hardwood Handicappers podcast, and also did a terrific job on our VEASAN NBA at the break betting primer. The one and only Jonathan Von Tobel joining us here now on the Lombardi Line. JVT, hope all is well this morning. Before we get into the primer, got to ask you, All-Star Weekend, Indianapolis there. Were you dabbling with any of the events last night? We got the game tonight. The under's getting smashed. The Western Conference to two and a half point favorite. Anything for our uh, betting public out there that will be watching this game later on this evening? Uh, look, guys, I know it's uh, we're getting lean here in terms of sports today, but uh, betting on the All Star Game, I think I'll pass. I know that the the unders getting getting hammered here. I think the thought process is that this LED court maybe is going to have something to do with that. Um, look, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I've got better things to do than sweat out an under in an NBA All Star Game. Tell you what. Uh, and as far as the All Stars like weekend is concerned, I, I will. I bet on the um, the three point contest. I had Tyrese Halliburton and I had Malik Beasley. So those guys didn't come home. Damian Lillard uh, reigns supreme, right? Defends his title. But I like to do those. Like, like, you know, skill competition where I liked it, the old format that they used to have, that was pretty cool. And it was individual players doing their thing. And it was like a field, uh, kind of like a tournament, uh, but I don't bet that. And then God bless you. If you want to bet the slam dunk contest, because uh, <laughs> we don't know who half these guys are. Uh, and then the other part is it's all subjective and some weird things going with the scoring, but three point contest is usually my jam. And then I kind of check out recharge for the, as we call it the second half, but generally uh, as our producer, Elliot said, the, the third of the season that we have coming up. You know, JVT, two important questions for you. The first is Femi dismissed sprinkles on his on his ice cream cones, whether it's uh, soft ice cream or hard. We would love to hear your take on that, whether it's rainbow. I know you have children, so it's rainbow or chocolate. And second, you know, I don't think most people that have not paid attention to the NBA would realize how good the Minnesota Timberwolves are playing. I watched them play against the 76ers a month ago, two months ago, before right during Christmas break. And they are really a good team. Do you think they are a legitimate West Coast representation uh, in the finals? All right. So first one, I think sprinkles are the biggest waste of space on anything. I will never put them on anything. That's too uh, rainbow I'm or for chocolate. Two. Uh, maybe it's a, maybe it's a generational thing. I know Femi and I are closer in age uh, or something. Oh, maybe it's West Coast. Me old. Not only do you, well, not okay, only well, do you kill Coast. sprinkles, you then insult my age. Yeah, I mean, jeez, oh man, yeah. it's killing you. Well, oh, I know Femi's got some Pacific Northwest ties, so maybe it's a West Coast thing, Michael. How about that? Yeah, there we go. Um, oh my but, uh, god. I'll say this. Regional bias. Minnesota. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'll say this to your point about. Minnesota. Uh, I agree. Look, I, I've got a really nice take on them to win the West from a cup from a few months back. Um, their size is overwhelming, Michael. And I think what really sticks out to you, obviously, is their defense. Guys, they are first in non-garbage time defensive efficiency, 108.5. The second best team is nearly three points behind them in defensive rating. It's wow. Cleveland at 111. Minnesota's been dominant on uh, that end of the floor. Their sheer size is overwhelming, and, and everything fits, right? To Rudy Gobert at the point of attack in these pick and rolls. Carl Anthony Towns, 
crashing in as a helper. Both McDaniel's and Anthony Edwards as like elite on-ball defenders, and Mike Conley as a smart ball, a smart on-ball defender at the point of attack as well. This team really works. And, and Michael, we're going to focus on them defensively, and they played very well. Again, they're, they lead the league in defensive rating. They're second in net rating. They also add Monty Morris at the trade deadline, which is, I think, a piece they desperately needed. They needed another secondary guard to come off the bench, spell Mike Conley, really help them out, give them some sort of presence instead of relying on some guards to have like a really a really sharp night, right? So I think that that's going to help them in a really big way. But I, I do think so, Michael, especially if you're talking about uh, getting the one seed in the Eastern Conference, potentially being able to get maybe a couple of these playing teams. I don't think they want to see them a team like Golden State. We can talk about them if you like. But mm-hmm. I think generally where you're at in the pecking order, the standings, how you play, your sheer overwhelming size. You mentioned the game you watched against Philly. I watched them play the Clippers. What, about four days ago, just suffocated them in a really good win in L.A. So I would say, yes, Michael, I think they are a legitimate contender to come out of the Western Conference. Wouldn't be surprised if they're in the NBA Finals at all. Yeah, I mean, they just have so much size and length there on the defensive end of the side, like of the ball there. It's it's ridiculous what yeah, the Timberwolves are You know, are it's funny, do. though, Femi, not to interrupt you, but it's interesting. When they made the trade for Gobert, uh, JBT, you can speak to this. Like, most people thought it was a dumb trade that Conley made because how can you play two bigs? The league's going small. Everybody wants to get under, everybody wants to have a bunch of small forwards and 6'6 six, six guys. I mean, explain why this works regular season. And my question is, we know Gobert hurts himself playoff time. Will it work playoff time? Yeah, I, I think so. And the, the reason why it works, too, is it's funny you say that, Michael, because you're right. 3D players are like the, the premier thing that you want. But look at the way that the league has kind of trended here a little bit the last few years. The Nuggets are a big team, right? Like, like they have a six foot ten small forward in Michael Porter Jr. They have Aaron Gordon at power forward. They have Nikola Jokic. You need to be able to deal with that. So you've got a Minnesota team that is equipped to handle something like that. Uh, you know, Milwaukee has very big lineups if they want. And Brooke Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo and Bobby Portis, if they want to put those guys out there. You know, size does actually kind of rule the day a little bit near the top of the standings for the most part and teams that are going to be really competitive and especially if you're going to take out the big boy which is the reigning champ the Denver Nuggets so I think that's why that works and to your overall point Michael I thought you know a lot of people believe that big picture right that it was foolish to trade all of that for Rudy Gobert and I would agree um, but if we're talking about from a betting standpoint like I've been in on this since they traded them I had the over on their win total and was everything or should be loaded up on them um, last year didn't come to fruition I've loaded back up on them here again because I thought that this would work in the short term the short term and it looks like that's going to be here. And as far as Rudy Gobert getting played off the floor, one of the things that is a misnomer about that in Utah is Rudy Gobert was surrounded by a bunch of really bad on-ball defenders, right? And so teams would go five out and just destroy guys like Donovan Mitchell and others off the dribble, and then Rudy Gobert would be asked to put out all these fires. It's not the case here for Minnesota, and I think that's why it works. Hanging out with Jonathan Von Tobler, our VSIN senior NBA analyst, also host of the Hardwood Handicappers podcast. Did a great job with our NBA at the break betting primer. It's free online, vsin.com. Make sure you check that out and download it there for you betting the final third of the season. You mentioned the Golden State Warriors here, JVT. Right now, they are in 10th place when you take a look at the standings, 27 and 26. But you think that this team might be able to finally get into that top eight there in the Western Conference come playoff time? Yeah, man. If, if you look at it, Femi, so one of the things I think and I, we talked about this on the podcast a couple of weeks back or maybe a week ago. One of the, the one of the things I think we forgot about Golden State is they've been dealing with a lot of absences, right? Like Draymond Green's a knucklehead, but he got suspended. Uh, Chris Paul has been dealing with a hand injury, has been playing for a really long time. And then you had really down seasons from Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins. But we're finally starting to see that turn, right? Like they're healthy. The only guy on the injury report right now is Chris Paul. Jonathan Kaminga is finally starting to flourish as a player, the guy that we all expected. Uh, Draymond Green is back. And now, guys, all of a sudden you look at it uh, over their last few games. They've been playing some very good basketball 
since Draymond Green, guys, has returned from suspension, 9-5 straight up, 10-4 against the spread, 6th in uh, non-garbage time net rating, 5th in offense, ninth in defense. They are looking much better. And I just think that they're a team that is not representative of their record because of the absence of the personnel on this roster. So if you were to take a shot potentially uh, on anything, if you wanted to, as I keep putting it, I mean, I put it in the, the primer. If you're just dropping into the NBA season now and you want something to invest in, maybe something to sweat out, Golden State to make the playoffs at plus 150, Golden State at 25 to 1 to win the Western Conference. Mm. I think that those are things that you can invest in because, as I mentioned, right, this is a dangerous 7 8 seed if they make it in there. And let's say it's a 2 7 matchup, Oklahoma City and Golden State state right that's very much that's a lot of experience and a team that matches up well with oklahoma city versus a team that's doing this for the first time they haven't played a playoff series together guys so i i think that there's some upward mobility here for golden state because the teams that you could face in that seven eight matchup right when you're talking about getting into the postseason that's going to be teams that are going to lack experience whether it be minnesota or oklahoma city and if you do that and you move on then you're talking about 25 to 1 in the western conference semifinals on that team so i think it's very much worth looking at but for sure around plus 150 to make the playoffs would not say no to it all now that they're becoming whole. A lot of doubt when Harden got traded to the Clippers that it could work, and it seems like it's working. Give me your rundown on the Clippers and where you think they go. Michael, they are the best team in the NBA. Um, mm. I, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not going to mince words about it. They are deep. They are. Uh, they have. They have so much versatility. If they want to go small, they can go small. They got a trio of bigs they can rely on. And by the way, very not even quietly anymore because he's left into five in terms of the latest straw poll. Michael Kawhi Leonard has been playing basketball games. He has since December first, essentially almost shooting at a 60, 50, 90 clip. The guy's been wow. insane. And, and when he's healthy, he can I be know. the best player on the floor in any series, save for I think Denver, right? Because you have Nikola Jokic. And, and when you look at that and you put that all together, the depth that they have, the versatility that they have, a six-man of the year candidate, Norm Powell. I think I might be speaking that to existence. <laughs> that, like there's there's a lot here. They have a good coach. I know Femi, you how you feel about Ty Lu. He's mm -hmm. a very, very good coach. Michael, this team, I think it's the highest rated team in the NBA for me. And I think that this is the best team in the NBA. I think they're going to win the NBA finals if they stay healthy. That's a fair caveat, too. If you don't want to believe in it, totally understand it. But if they're going to be together and Kawhi Leonard's out there, they have everything you need to win the NBA finals. Wow. Love it, case. JVT. Thank you. That is a strong case. They're five great, to one of the work. Clippers right now. And JVT, he's going to be joining us each and every Sunday throughout this NBA season. So if you like this, make sure you stick around every single Sunday all the way till June for the NBA finals. And all that. This will be a whole lot of fun there. Can't wait to see what happens in the final third of the NBA season. Once again, though, the VEASAN NBA at the break primer, the betting primer. Check that out, VEASAN.com. Also, the Hardwood Handicappers podcast. JVT, good stuff as always, man. Good luck with the bets. Hey, thanks, guys. I think uh, thank Sprinkles, you, they call them Jimmy's, Johnny's, something like that, right? Yeah, Jimmy's. They, they call them Jimmy's. But, you know, I'm old. Them. It's from a different generation. You know, you know how it goes. The millennials don't like the Sprinkles. Thanks, <laughs> JVT. You were great. You guys. We'll wrap up the show on the other side. It's the Lombardi line. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Timmy Ababafe, on VSEN, the sports betting network. This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can deposit $5 and get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Download the app and use promo code VSEN when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. 
Welcome back. This is the final segment of the Lombardi line here on the DraftKings Network. Femi Abebefe, Michael Lombardi here. Uh, thank you to the two guests that we had on the program. Will Hill uh, of the Should Have Bet More podcast, also VEASAN contributor, as well as Jonathan Von Tobel, our VEASAN senior NBA analyst, hater of the Sprinkles, also host of the Hardwood Handicappers podcast <laughs> as well. <laughs> and maybe great, an ageist great, as well. Who knows? great job. Other than Sprinkles answering and insulting my age, he did a wonderful job. You know, and I thought it was really fascinating because when they made that Harden trade, right, you know, Harden demanded to go to the char- the Clippers and, and and you know and everybody here and and I was told reliably that you know that nobody really within that organization was in favor other than Steve Ballmer he wanted to do it like he felt like this is something we need to do for the depth and all that and it's really worked out well for them and I and you know you, you know JVT doesn't throw compliments around very much and what, what he was saying about the Clippers is what I'm hearing from people that I talk to in the NBA about how good they are and and let's face it Kawhi Leonard when he wants to be the greatest, best player in the league, he can. I mean, the guy does it. I mean, it's unbelievable. You watch that when he was in Toronto and carried them to the finals and won, mm-hmm. that's, won the finals. He was sensational. So, you, you know, I think to me that that's something. But also the Timberwolves, and we didn't even touch on Oklahoma City, which has done a great job. Sam Presti has done a great job of taking all these assets and turning them into a winner, which to me, it really validates how wrong the process was. What Presti did to me is what a team should do. What Hanky and the 76ers did is what you shouldn't do. He's built a culture within the process and they're winning. Yeah, I mean, the Sixers just were embarrassing themselves and say, hey, we have to tank. We didn't see Oklahoma City do that. They didn't embarrass themselves for multiple years to try to go ahead and get some of these big name guys. They were building the culture and he was making creative trades. And I mean, he was able to trade for I mean, think about that. Like, it's kind of been a win win for both teams because the Clippers now have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. But the Clippers had to give them Shea Gilgis Alexander in that trade to go ahead and get Paul George. Shea Gilgis Alexander, he might win the MVP this year. He's a first team all NBA guy. And to making those kind of creative trades and doing that sort of stuff that on the surface doesn't look all that exciting, but on the back end, now they're one of the top two seeds in the Western Conference. So you got to tip the cap there to Sam Presti and what they've been able to do. Uh, Before we move any further, though, let's get to our pro tip for the day here. And this one uh, comes courtesy our buddy Will Hill, who we had on in the first hour. He's talking about eyeing a futures ticket on the Minnesota Vikings. But just from a more general standpoint, you have to anticipate which teams are going to be making some of these big free agent moves as free agency is less than a month away. Like right now, if the Vikings are able to re-sign Kirk Cousins, hey, their Super Bowl price of 55-1 to might need to shorten just a touch there given what's on the roster. So anticipating those moves before they happen can help you out in the NFL futures market. No question. And I think, look, there's a great story, you know, and I heard it quite often at the Borgata when we were over there is, you know, somebody kind of got tipped off that Brady could be going to Tampa, that they were one of the teams and a guy went in and played it. And, you know, it's a it's a long shot, had great odds. And look, it turned out to be the winner. I'm sure at Thanksgiving of that year, he didn't think he was going to win it, just like a lot of people at Thanksgiving of this year didn't think the Chiefs would win it. I was, I was talking to somebody in the league and said they'll be one and done in the playoffs. Wow. And so that proved to be wrong. And so but the way they were playing, I mean, I think that's where we have to kind of adjust our handicapping a little bit in terms of understand the best thing that happened to the Chiefs were the Raiders beating them. Because as Andy Reid has gone on to say, you know, it was a dose of reality. They woke up and they decided that if they were going to win, they had to play a certain style. 
and the defense was going to have to carry them. And I think, to me, you can only do that when you suffer through an embarrassing loss. You can't do that when you have a dangerous loss. You, the, you know, as, as Churchill once said, fear does the work of reason. Until you're fearful, it's hard to reason with people. Yeah, those dangerous wins that ended up being kind of the demise of the Philadelphia Eagles this season. They started ten and one, and everyone said, "Hey, why are you guys knocking the Eagles? Why are you like they're ten and one? Quit knocking them." Well, we saw the way the season ended. Said, "Hey, this is ten and one, but it looks more like six and five. All right, like they're not as good as the record suggests." And that ended up coming to fruition there. And I think about because you mentioned how the Chiefs had some issues this year, the Bucks had issues the year that they won the Super Bowl. What about the Rams in twenty twenty one when they won the Super Bowl? I mean, that year they lost three straight games in November, and I think a lot of people were writing off the Rams. Right. They end up getting hot. They win the Super Bowl that season. So it's the NFL. We get so caught up in the week to week because we're so invested in the sport. We love it that, hey, if you sometimes take a step back and look at the big picture, you might see a team that on the surface record wise doesn't look like they're that great, but maybe they can make a great run in January and ultimately hoist the Lombardi trophy there. So that's a good lesson to kind of keep in mind their next NFL season, which I'm sure will, of course, overreact to every single result that happens week to week because that's what we do. Um, Russell Wilson, Michael, before we get out of here, uh, I'm, yeah. not sure you saw, I'm sure you saw this news. Uh, this is reported by the Denver Post. Russell Wilson and his wife, Sierra, are now accepting offers for their Denver mansion. Uh, they've been having tours for prospective buyers. They bought the home when he got traded there for $25 million, a 20,000 square foot home uh, for Russell Wilson when they went ahead and went to Denver. Well, now the expectation is that he's going to be released. So we have the odds up at DraftKings. Where will Russell Wilson take his next snap? The favorite Mm. is the Pittsburgh Steelers at even money. Broncos plus 350. Falcons and Patriots plus 450. The Raiders plus 650. Vikings 10 to 1. Commanders 16. Titans 25. Bucks, Panthers 35. Where will Russ be playing next year? Well, I mean, look, I I would say any team that has a top pick, let's scratch the Patriots out. You know, let's scratch the commanders out like they're they're not going to. Let's scratch the Panthers out. He's not going to be a backup. Right. So that's ridiculous. That should be 100 to one. The Panthers, (laughs) the Bucks, if they don't sign Baker, could be in play. But they're they should be 75 to one at this point right now. I think you have to focus on the teams in the middle of the of the round where they can't get to a quarterback. And they need a year to get through it. Pittsburgh obviously fits that bill. You know, the Raiders fit that bill as well. Because the Raiders, you know, remember when he was talking about getting traded and we wanted to let Russ cook Mm -hmm. because that was the most important thing in Seattle, that everybody was holding him back and he needs to cook. You know, the Raiders were one of the teams he wanted to go cook for. You know, that was on his list. And so and Denver made the trade. And I think to me, you got to go back and look at that and say, okay, where did he want to play? I think certainly in Las Vegas, that would help them if they want to try to get somebody to say to Devontae Adams, look, you're going to stay here because we're going to bring in Russ. We're going to have somebody cook who's a veteran. I think it's a harder thing to do if you don't do that, you know. And as I've said earlier in the show, I think that's a situation really worth monitoring. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the Raiders at that number is a fairly good play. I think when you look at that, you say, okay, that makes sense. The Steelers, too. Now, here's the problem with Pittsburgh. I don't think Pittsburgh wants to spend and just and give somebody the starting quarterback job. I think Pittsburgh wants to allow competition. And if you sign Russell, what you're saying to Russell is you're our starter. Because Russell don't want to hear anything else, but he's the starter. Mm-hmm. So he's not signing his name on a contract where he's got to go – 
compete to be the starter. He's not against competition, and I don't want to imply that at all. But what he wants is he want, you're going to pay him based on being a starter. So, again, fans, we have to understand that the contract, the language of the contract is based on the pay of the contract, right? So if I pay you like a starter, I'm not asking you to come in and compete. You're the starter. I just paid you like a starter. I don't think Pittsburgh's going to do that. I think Pittsburgh wants to compete. That's why if you trade for fields, you're not guaranteeing them anything. You're saying, okay, come in and compete. Yeah, yeah, fields might make a little bit more sense for Pittsburgh there. And like you always say, follow the money. If the contract says what it is, that guy's likely going to be the starting quarterback. So I know you crossed off New England, you crossed off Washington, you crossed off Carolina. You didn't cross off Denver, who's plus 350. Should we cross that off as yeah. well, or is there a chance that he could actually oh, go back? He wouldn't put that... He wouldn't put the house up for sale if he thought he was going to put. Plus, he doesn't want to come back to Denver. I mean, Sean's already come out and said we're going for a quarterback. We're going to, you know, we're we're going to. They're going to look. Sean's going to be aggressive. I mean, Sean's biggest regret in New Orleans was he he didn't he got he got beat out for the Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes trade. He yeah. wanted Mahomes and he got beat out for him. And so that's been his that's been a bug up his butt for a while. And so look, why would Russell? In fairness to Russell, why would Russell walk away from his guarantees? It makes no sense at all for him to do that, you know, and it's and, and, and if I were advising Russell, I would say, look, why would we want to help them redo the contract? Why would we walk away from a 17 million guaranteed salary? You know, why would we do that? You know, and so we're not going to do that. And so they've got to get away from it, you know, and they're going to carry huge debt cap, cap number. I mean, they're going to carry it with them. And so, you know, it's on them. It, it, him redoing his deal would only benefit them, not him. Yeah. Why would he do that? Wouldn't be smart. Uh, we're not going to hold you to this, but let's just have a little bit of fun. Where's Russell Wilson going to be playing next year? If you had to make a prediction right now on February 18th, where will he be in 2024? I think at 650, I take the Raiders. 450, I take the Falcons. I like those two better than every, every other number on the board. All right. So in the Raiders, I mean, maybe he can get his revenge on Denver or maybe Denver wants the revenge That's on Russell Wilson. This, right? You always want to get revenge, right? <laughs> you, you do. It's staying in that division. And you want like, a villain. The, the, we just talked about villains, Femi. You need a villain. Every good movie has one <laughs> and every bad movie doesn't. Every good movie has one. <laughs> that does it for us here on the Lombardi line for Michael Lombardi, for our producer, Elliot Bowman, the entire crew behind the glass. I'm Femi Bebefe saying good luck with all the bets. The handle with Matt Brown and Mike Somich coming up next. 